You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Good morning, church. I'm going to talk to you today on the spiritual metamorphosis. The spiritual metamorphosis. The transformation from death in the natural into life in the supernatural. And today's word comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 4 through 17. When we think of a metamorphosis, what we often think of is probably a National Geographic type of film where you see the caterpillar kind of scooting across the leaf, devouring the leaf. And as they follow that cycle, that caterpillar comes to a time where it begins to weave a cocoon. And that insect goes inside of that cocoon, weaves itself in, and stays there until there is a transformation. Now, what emerges is something that we probably never thought we would see, and that is out of this little worm-like insect, all of a sudden a beautiful butterfly emerges, and we are mystified by that. How does that happen? Let me also tell you that there is a spiritual metamorphosis as well. James 4.10 says this, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, when that happens, the sinful person, the person who does not have that relationship with the Lord, becomes a part of that metamorphosis. They are then covered in the saving grace of Jesus' blood, and the old is transformed into the new. Wrong into right, darkness into light, from the natural in the flesh, the flesh dies into the supernatural life of the spirit of the living God. And when we say supernatural, what we're talking about is beyond the knowledge of man, beyond any type of scientific definition. When we talk about supernatural, we can only attach it to God Almighty, for he and he alone can give this experience of the supernatural. The spirit of the living God, through his son, Jesus, then lives in that humble heart. Our blessing is then living for the joy of serving the Christ. Once Christ comes into that humble heart, the heart that was stubborn, that pushed him away, once that transformation has taken place, that metamorphosis, our joy really is serving who Christ is. There is, you know, we talk about blessings, and sometimes we all ask for them, whether it's related to a job or something, but the true blessing is that we get to serve. We get to call on his name. Now, once in the supernatural, Christ calls us not to live to our own interpretation, but to his glorification. For all believers, what does that mean? That means Blessings and rewards. That's what that means. You know, when our body is stained and dirty, 
from our normal experiences, we quickly jump into the shower and we want to get clean because we are uncomfortable the other way and the water beads down upon us to clean the body and it would be impossible to count every bead of water that assists in cleansing your body. And so is in the experience of, 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 of having that relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when we are sin dirty, we also look for that cleansing. And he showers down upon us blessings when we glorify his son. He gives us those blessings, multiple blessings, those that cannot be counted. Blessings seen and unseen. And they are, multi they are multiple. Paul wrote to the Col Colossians from his prison cell in Rome. Now, he was allowed to have visitors, and it is believed that he gave the carrier the letter to the Ephesians and the Colossians at the same time. Now, his purpose in writing the letter was to encourage the church against secular teaching, such as Gnosticism, which it really is the emphasis on knowledge, supreme knowledge. And here's what that knowledge would say, that salvation came through knowledge, not by faith. That's what they were teaching. And again, this is an example of man wanting to be Christ. I want to be able to have some say-so in my own salvation. I want to have some control in how it works out for me. I want to be able to say I'm really good and I don't really want to give in to everything that Christ wants me to do. That experience of humbleness somehow avoids the Gnostics because it's all about what man does. It's all about the knowledge of how good I am, supreme knowledge. Let me just say this to you. Salvation, what has been given to us, can come only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ, listen what it says in verse 4, chapter 3 in Colossians, it says, when Christ, who is, who is our life, appears, then it also he will appear, you will appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When Christ appears in our earthly life, and only then can we know our full potential. Oftentimes what we ask is that, what, what is the purpose of life? What is my purpose? So many people walk and is depressed about life itself, searching, searching each and every day for the purpose for which they were created. Let me tell you, you cannot know that and you will not know that until you give your life to the Lord. For only through the Lord in the earthly life will you can begin to understand your full potential. Those who know the Lord will also be with him upon his return, the word says. But so often what we do in our regular life is we, rather than looking to embrace the spiritual, we embrace the earthly experience. And the problem with that is there is really very little earthly glorification. There's no glory in the earth, uh, the regular earth experience. 
because that experience is transitory, which means temporary, short-term, brief, and it is also illusionary, which means it's not real. Only one thing will last forever, and that is heaven's glory. That is the only thing that will truly last. In verse 5, it says this, Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. When it says, therefore, put to death, it would suggest that you have some innate power that I can start to be good. I can put across all these things, take out covetedness, Forget about fornication. Forget about all of these things. You have no power. What this is, is a remainder, a reminder of why you need the Lord in your life. There is not a time in the human experience where you not need to know who Christ is. There is not a time in the human experience that you don't need the Lord to walk with you. You know, very often what people think is that, you know, the Christian people once we start proclaiming the name of the Lord and they don't know that experience, they sit back and look with an element of doubt, ready to criticize. As soon as they see a little bit of a stumble, here's what they remind you and here's what they say. See, you Christians think that you are without sin, that you are sinless. No, that's not the case at all. But because we have that experience with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells within, I am not sinless, but because I know that experience, I sin less. That's what it's all about, to know what that experience is and to embrace it. But now you yourselves put off these things, anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge to the image of him who created him. Listen, where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcised, nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Sathian, and Sathian was a kind of a generalized term for a group of people that lived at the time that was rude, ignorant, savage, enough that Paul felt the need to mention them. Slave nor free, here's the key, but Christ is all and in all. Then there is the character of the new man. When I was at FIU pursuing my degree, I came in contact with a very brilliant man, and he was a great lecturer, and he had hurt himself falling, you know, when he was working on his roof, he fell off and injured his arm, and it was a pretty severe injury. And 
you know, we developed a relationship, and I asked him once, I said, uh, Dr. Lopez, do you believe in the Lord? He said, Ben, listen, I'm a scientist. No, I don't. He said, I don't believe. He said, but for anybody who do believe, he says, I think it's okay. But I prayed for him, and I continued to pray for him, and we became pretty good friends. And one day when I was having office hours with him, it all began to pour out. The Lord just opened that door so it could just come out. What was the problem? What was holding him back? He said to me this. He said, Ben, if there was a God, he would not love me. He said, for you see, I am not a good man. And I said to him, neither am I. I said, but he loves you, and he wants to know you in a personal relationship. The relationship progressed, and one night on Christmas Eve, I was over at my in-laws, and we were just enjoying the, the festivities for the Christmas holidays. My phone rang, and I noticed that it was him, so I stepped outside. And I said, how you doing? He said, Ben, I'm in the hospital with a relative. He said, we have you on speakerphone. He said, would you pray for us? And I began to pray, and I could hear the submissiveness in his voice. You see, the tender mercies of the Lord got through all of that knowledge, got through that iron gate. It's got through to the point where he himself had to confess that there is a God, and today he is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and has professed him as such. That's what it's all about. The things that some would try to do, beat it down as hard as they could, can't do it. It takes the Lord to come in with that one experience that humbles that hardened heart. Then there's the character of the new man. Therefore, as the elect of God, we've gone from the old to the new, and it says, now, therefore, as the elect, that's you, of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Really, Paul? All of this, we struggle with these things, especially long-suffering. How about let's suffer short? It's a little bit more easy for me, you know? But the word says long-suffering. doesn't say short. And then it says bearing with one another, which is hard. You know, it's tough for Christians sometimes to stomach other Christians. We smile, hey, how you doing? We put our arms out, we give hugs, but boy, we don't want to know what's behind them. Sometimes it's not so good, and sometimes we're challenged. But the Word tells us here, listen very carefully, bearing with one another, ooh, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, listen, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. 
It doesn't really matter how much you read the Bible. It doesn't really matter how much you get on your knees and pray. You're still going to struggle with these things. The only thing that allows the experience to be different is that we have that relationship with the Lord. Because we have that relationship with the Lord, there is always an answer. There is always mercy. There is always guidance. There is always direction. He never leaves us to deal with this on our own. I dealt with this recently. I'm elected right now to the city of Deerfield Beach as a city commissioner. In 2010, I was elected to that position as well. And as I was walking one morning, the Lord gave me a vision of how to do things in the community. And off I went and I thought all was going to be good. No issues, no problem. Except that every little thing that I did, that the Lord showed me what to do, as I looked into the eyes of my constituents, it was never an experience of where they were embracing what I was doing. People would look at me and turn away. And I would wonder, I said, Lord, what, what, why is that? And it didn't get any better. No matter how much I prayed, it didn't get any better. And then one day a lady said to me, we don't like you. We don't want you to be our commissioner. We want you to go away and we're going to vote you out. And a man came over witnessing this. He came over and he said, why you talk to him like that? He said, he hasn't done anything to you. But I walked away with a heavy heart and I said, Lord, what's going on? And it didn't get any better. From there, there were people that used to have big bullhorns walking through the community saying, you don't want to vote for Ben Preston. He cannot help this community. And the more I hurt, the worse it got. And I did ask, Lord, do you, do you see what they're doing? But you know, I was having an issue as too because I was becoming hardened. And I didn't want to forgive. Even though I read the Bible, even though I know the Bible, even though I call on the name of the Lord, I did not want to forgive. And so there was the re-election, and I lost it. The next day I was sitting at my computer, and it hit me, and I began to weep. I said, Lord, did I leave something undone that you asked me to do? And I said, if I did, Lord, forgive me. And audibly, I heard the words of the Lord. He said, you did what I asked you to do. When I ask you to do it, now move aside and let me do what I have to do. And with that, I became healed. Within six months, people were fighting, and I began to get the calls, and here's what it said. Mr. Preston, you need to run again. But listen, we're three and a half years out. They said, Mr. Preston, you need to run again. They said, would you do it? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I got to pray about it. I got to talk to my wife about it. And the people continued and continued. And through prayer, talking to my family, I decided to run again. 
And when, that made, when I made that decision, listen, I am telling you that whatever the challenges are in your life, however you may be dealing with it, here's what it's about. It's about trusting in the word of the Lord. Don't try on your own to solve it because I'm telling you, you can't do it. You can't do it. You might think you can, but you can't. I had issues in my life, and here's what the Lord said. You know, Ben, you did what I asked you to do, but I'm going to reign in your life too. He took me to Matthew 5.45, where the word says this, I reign on the unjust and the just. So he reigned into my life some humbleness. And one day, when after I, you know, decided that I was getting to that point of I was going to run again, I was walking down the street, and there lie, there lie with this guy standing there, the one of the guys that had the bullhorn. And so I looked, and I saw him, and I wanted to go the other way, and I said, I'm not going to talk to that guy. I want to go the other way. The Lord said, you will go that way. No, Lord. I said, Lord, don't you remember the pain that this man put in my life? put in my family's life, Lord, I don't want to talk to him. He said, you will go this way. I said, yes, Lord. I, I walked, I spoke to the man as the Lord had asked me to do, and I continued on, and then the man said this. He said, are you decided what you're going to do yet? And I said, what do you mean? He said, are you going to run? And I turned to him and I said, you going to support me? He said, yes, I'm going to support you. You see, everything that I was trying to do, the way I wanted to do, I couldn't get it done. But the Lord walks in with his mighty hand, what we call supernatural beyond the experiences of man. And to change that hardened heart, I was like, this is incredible. And with that, all of the people, listen church, all of the people that was working against me came and asked to be a part of my team to work with me. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I had no power to do that. But the Lord did. You know, we were, in a, we, we were all in an apartment complex one day, and I remember knocking on the doors and, and telling people why they should vote for Ben Preston. And as we was approaching another door, the Lord held me back. He said, don't go. And I stood back, and he said, look at my mighty power. And I saw them beating on the doors, convincing the people, giving them the literature, and I was just standing by watching this. And I said, oh, Lord, look at your mighty power. Look at how you're working. Look at how you're doing this. Mighty are you, Lord. Mighty are you. Psalms 110, church, you can't solve it on your own. Psalms 110, you obey the Lord. You do what makes him right. You do what you need to do to bring joy to his heart. And as he has promised, he will make your enemy your footstool. That's what he will do. That's what he did. All the people that were against me all of a sudden was now for me. I looked back and I said, Lord, greater you. And as I used to go through the community, I would be walking and canvassing, and I could feel the power of the Lord. I really grew closer and closer. My wife and I was canvassing one day. A lady, we came around the corner, and there was this lady approaching us. She came to me, and she said this. She said, Mr. Preston, I was one of the ones 
that was poisoned against you. She said, I was wrong. She said, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Did I do that? No. You see, the mighty power of the Lord brings us to humbleness. And I told her, I said, don't worry about it, it's, all, it's okay. She said, would you put a sign in the yard? I said, yes. I grew so close to the Lord in that experience because I watched his mighty power. And I asked him once, as I was going back to my car, I said, Lord, am I gonna win this? You know, we sometimes wanna kinda peep into the future. You know, am I, is, is all of this for nothing? What do I get out of it? See, here was the thing. I was getting, I had a chance to testify and be an example for the Lord. Didn't matter if I won or not. But I was looking, and the Lord told me not to worry about that. And I forgot, I just let it go. And as I was walking back one time to my car, the Lord said this, audibly, I heard it. He said, you will win this, but when you do, do not raise your hand in victory, but bow your head in submission. And I said, yes, Lord. When I won, we was over at Duffy's Sports Grill over in Deerfield. The media came to me, and she had a tape recording. She says, do you have anything to say? And I said, yes. She said, what is it? I said, praise the Lord. And then she said, okay, what else? Nothing else. There ain't nothing else to say. She said, you don't want to say anything? No. Praise the Lord. We went inside, and there was wall-to-wall -wall people, people ready for a great victory speech. Everybody is ready to have a good time, and they want to just be jubilant. Ben Preston, who I worked with and I did all of these things with, you know, he won. My candidate won. I told them this. I said, don't let any, I said, not any of you, do not raise your hand in victory. I want you to all now bow in submission. And with that, we grabbed hands. And the people in Duffy's are looking like, what in the world is going on here? And we began to call on the name of Jesus. We said, thank you, Lord, for all of your mighty power. We said, thank you, Lord, for your guidance and direction. We said, thank you, Lord, for being who you are. And in the name of your precious son, we give you praise and none other. That was the true victory. It wasn't an election, but the Lord used that election to be able to let us know and see his mighty power. I grew in that time. You too will grow. You too will grow. Humble yourself. Church, humble yourself to know who this God is. His son that gives us strength who gives us vision, who gives us blessings, multiple blessings. The word says this in verse 14. It says, listen, but above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Listen, stay with me. Let, and let the peace of God rule in your heart in which you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you 
richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. That's great. That's beautiful. That is the experience that we look for. And whatever you do in word or deed, listen, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. It's hard to do that. It's hard to put on that love. It's hard to do all of those things because you know what we're fighting against? That nature, that flesh, that flesh. But you got to, we have a weapon. It's called the Holy Spirit. Give not into the flesh, but give into the spirit. Let the spirit be your eyes. Let the spirit be your guidance. Let the spirit be your legs. That's really what it's all about. Humble yourself. If we can have the worship team come on up, please. What Paul is saying here, church, listen very carefully. What's the message? Really, what is Paul trying to tell us in Colossians? What is he really saying that allows it to be a part of our daily lives? And what he's saying is simply this. You trust in the Lord that metamorphosis takes place in our lives. He takes you in the cocoon of his loving arms, and you will emerge transformed, holy, and new, cleansed and submissive. That's really what it's about. The flesh is put to death, and the supernatural power of the living God becomes your spiritual hunger. The holy word of God will dwell richly in your heart, in the heart of the forgiven. That's us. And when that happens, when we know that we have been forgiven, you will be filled, the word says, you will be filled with hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace to the hungry heart. Let him put on the tender mercies that he has promised. And when he put that on, listen, kindness will be your face. Humility will be your character. Meekness, long-suffering, and forgiveness will become your testimony, bringing joy to the heart of the Lord. Remember what Paul's words were. Whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do, whatever you do today, in word or in deed, do it in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever comes out of the mouth, whatever comes from your heart, word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus. And when that is so, there is growth. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time, church, you witnessed to someone outside of faith about the saving grace of Jesus Christ? When is the last time you've sat with the lonely and prayed the happiness and joy of Jesus' mighty love into their life? When is the last time you've sat with the ill and the injured and called on the supernatural healing power of the Lord? When is it 
that you have opened up and say, Lord, use me as you will. It's time for you, the chosen of God, to go to work, teaching, preaching to the fallen and disobedient lives. We are challenged. I'm going to leave you with this poem of a devout Christian woman that also have the words in it, words and deeds. The Lord gave her these words, and it's a kind of a way that we need to live together and to understand who he is in our lives. It's really all about how humble we are, stripping ourselves of the arrogant character calling on the mighty name of the Lord. Listen to these words. When my, when my mother wrote this, I stopped in my tracks and I said, you know, it's so beautiful that the Lord gave her this, these words to share. She shared it with me and now I'm going to share it with you. Listen to what it says. Love shows itself in both words and deeds, in understanding another's needs, in all the warmth and encouragement shown to help someone else do it on their own. Love shows itself in the art of caring and very often in unselfish sharing, in a look of compassion and a tender smile and just being willing to go that extra mile. Love isn't heavy, severe, or pressing. It stands up when life is sad and distressing. Love has its own way of looking and seeing, its own gentle countenance, its own special being. Love isn't all sunshine, isn't all fair weather, isn't all fun and games and being together. It lasts through loneliness, trouble, and sorrow, and is always ready to start over tomorrow. How rich we are, how safe, how secure, how strong, how faithful to last, to endure. How quick to forgive and make fresh starts as long as there is love, real love in our hearts. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time together. We thank you for your blessing of allowing your children to come together. Give us a purpose, dear Lord, as we go beyond this building. Give us strength, Lord, lift us up. Your word says that when we humble ourselves before you, that we will be lifted up. Lord, we call on that promise now. Let us all be lifted up so that we know what it is that you would have us do. Let us be quick to embrace those challenges. Let us not look to ourselves, but let us look to you. In the name of Jesus, lift us up. Let this day be a beginning for us, renewed, that so we're able, Lord, to just do all of that which pleased you. The word says that there was a time when Noah brought joy to your heart. Let it be the children of the day, those that are seated here, bring joy to your heart because we will completely surrender and humble ourselves before you. And in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time together and we say amen. <laughs>